Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Mental Golf Show, where we discuss all things golf psychology to help avid golfers improve their game. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols, and I am a golf psychology coach by trade, and I've been playing high-level competitive amateur golf for over 20 years. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking all about goal setting and achieving. You're going to leave this episode with knowledge about goal setting, a step-by-step process for achieving your goals, and towards the end, we're going to walk through a scientifically proven exercise for helping you initiate and stick to your habits. But before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Divot Board. The Divot Board is the game-changing golf training aid designed to elevate your swing and revolutionize your game. I own a Divot Board. It's easily one of my favorite training aids that I've ever used. I'm very picky for my training aids, so I believe that's saying a lot. The Divot Board has patented technology that offers instant feedback, both at home and on the range. With every swing, you gain valuable insights into the crucial point of impact, as well as your swing path, enabling you to make real-time adjustments. And this is the Mental Golf Show, so of course I have to talk about the brain neuroscience level of things. Making errors is extremely important because your brain takes that feedback and makes instant corrections to help you adapt your motion to the motion that you want. And the instant error feedback of the divot board has got to be one of the best tools ever made for this. And you can use this whether you have a ball or not. I use it in my backyard, hitting foam balls into a bed sheet. I can imagine a scenario where you don't have any golf balls and you just spend five minutes getting a high quantity of swings and therefore tons of error feedback. The divot board would be perfect for that. No matter where you are or what your skill level is, this training aid will undoubtedly help you build the confidence and skill you need to excel on the course. Now, how do you get your divot board? You could get a divot board at a 10% discount by going to divotboard.com slash mental golf show and use the discount code mentalgolf10 at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. I'll have the link in the show notes of this episode. Again, quickly, that's divotboard.com slash mentalgolfshow and use the offer code mentalgolf10 at checkout to get 10% off. Many, many thanks to Divotboard for partnering with the Mental Golf Show. All right, let's learn how to set and achieve goals and give ourselves the best chance of accomplishing what we want to accomplish in 2024. So it's that time of year where we reflect on the past year and try to learn from it and make the next year better. So how do you make that as likely as possible? Here's the goal setting process that I've learned and experienced that works best. So step one, set your goal. Duh. This is an obvious start, and I think most of us have this one pretty well covered, but what you do here is very important. There's some nuances to it. Before we get into the actual mechanics of setting goals and reaching them, we need to talk about the difference between something called results goals and something called process goals. You may have heard these terms before. Results goals are, uh, to the best of my knowledge and the best of what I can gather and what I've learned, are finite and binary, and they have an outcome associated with them. So an example of a results goal would be to lower my handicap from 12 to 8 by the end of this year. That goal is finite, meaning it has a time frame, and it has a defined outcome associated with it. 
as opposed to an infinite goal, which sounds kind of weird to say, uh, but that would be the opposite. That would mean there's no real end point and there's no real hard outcome that I'm trying to attain. And also the goal needs to be binary, meaning you either did it or you didn't. There is a clear answer to the question, did I accomplish this goal or not? Okay, that's a results goal. Now, what is a process goal? I like to think of an equation where process goals are on one side of the equal sign and results goals are on the other side of the equal sign. The process goals add up to equal the results goal. So an example of a process goal would be doing a strength workout three times a week or maybe practicing putting technique for a combined 30 minutes a week. These are processes that would add up to a results goal. So that's results goals, which are finite and binary, meaning they are hard goals. They are specific, time-bound, measurable, yes or no goals. And then there's process goals, which are the building blocks of results goals. They are softer goals. They are, well, processes. Think verbs, not nouns. Actions, not outcomes. So when we say step one is setting your goal, we're talking about results goals. Remember, that means the goal needs to be finite and binary. So we're putting a flag in the ground and saying, this is the thing I'm going for. And in order to aid us in being finite and binary, some components of those are being specific, realistic, and measurable. Having those components will help us drill in on setting good results goals. So let's work through the three components of results goals. Again, that's specific, realistic, and measurable. First off, results goals need to be specific. You can't simply say, I want to get better at golf. That's not specific enough. Something more like, I want to lower my handicap from 12 to 8 this year. That would be an adequate level of specificity. But why is specificity of your goal important? When you have a vague goal, you give yourself a sense that you have to do more than you actually have to do. When I hear, I want to get better at golf, that reads as, I need to improve all the parts of my game and do it constantly forever until I reach some undefined level of better. While this to some might sound more freeing, I can just freely work on my game without any constraints and get better at my own pace. This has been shown to actually work against us. There's research that shows that having a narrow focus on your goals gives you a greater likelihood of accomplishing them because it gives you a sense that you're closer to achieving your goal than you might actually be. By giving yourself the goal blinders of having a very specific goal, you give yourself the sense that the finish line is much closer than it might actually be, that it's much more achievable. So narrowing in and making your goal more specific will allow you to properly define your process goals, your building blocks that build up to your results goals, which we'll get into later in the episode. Another part of step one setting goals is goals need to be realistic. Saying, I'm going to lower my handicap from 12 to scratch this year might be a little outside the realm of possibilities. While technically not impossible, the likelihood of accomplishing that goal is going to be very, very low. An important factor for a goal being realistic is determining where you are at on the learning curve. Now, what do I mean by learning curve? A learning curve is the trajectory that it typically takes someone to improve at something. 
Maybe you could imagine a hockey stick where, and forgive me, I'm, I don't play hockey, so I'm probably butchering the, these terminologies. Uh, uh, the, the head of the hockey stick is pointing down and the long handle of the hockey stick is horizontal. Uh, again, I apologize if I'm butchering the terminology early on the learning curve, the improvement is steep. That would be the head of the hockey stick. It takes a relatively small amount of effort to get a lot better. But as you get better, the curve flattens out. It takes a lot more effort to get a relatively small amount better. So if you're early on the learning curve, say you're a 30 plus handicap, to expect a drop of five strokes off your handicap is much more realistic than for a five handicap to drop five strokes. So this is highly individual with your skill level and your resources and time available to you all being very important factors. And to finish off step one of setting your goal, goals need to be measurable. To stick with our theme of lowering handicap, simply stating, I want to lower my handicap, that's not measurable. In order to have that narrow focus that we talked about earlier, your goal needs to be measurable. Again, it needs to be binary. Any binary goals, meaning it can be easily answered as a yes or no, did I accomplish this goal, will inherently be measurable. Setting a goal of lowering my handicap is somewhat specific and realistic, but it's not measurable. The goal lowering my handicap from a 20 to a 5 is specific and measurable, but it isn't realistic. The goal lowering my handicap from a 20 to a 16 by December 31st, 2024, that's specific, realistic, and measurable. It's finite and binary. So that's setting your goal making it finite and binary, which contain the components of being specific, realistic, and measurable. Those are all factors in good results goals. So that's a great start to goal setting, but most of us stop here and don't really implement a goal reaching system in a very systematic way. So let's go to step two. Step two is to create a plan to reach your goal. This is where we start talking about our process goals. Remember, we have results goals, which we talked about in step one of setting your goal, which are those hard outcome goals, planting the flag. This is the thing that I want to achieve. And we have process goals, which are the building blocks for your larger results goals. They are the actions that lead to the larger outcomes. This is where you probably need to get out a piece of paper and break your goal down into smaller parts. If you're struggling to come up with process building blocks, here's a good question to ask yourself to get you started. What would I need to get better at in order for me to reach my goal? And then you can drill down from there. So let's outline some best practices for developing your processes, aka your building blocks. If you're asking the question, what do I need to get better at in order to reach my results goal, then you're probably going to come up with a list of skills or things to work on. For instance, in order to drop your handicap from 12 to 8, you probably need to eliminate the odd double bogey from your card. So eliminate doubles would probably come up in your list. That's smaller than your big results goal, but it's still somewhat results oriented. We need to drill down even further to get down to a process. We need to make it into an action. So how will you eliminate doubles? One way would be to improve driving accuracy. You've probably been uh, pumping balls out of bounds, right? So you need to improve your driving accuracy. That's still somewhat of an outcome, 
So we got to drill down even further, get to the smallest component. So you might end up with something like practice driver for 20 minutes every range session, 10 minutes of technique work, 10 minutes of a fairway hitting challenge. Now that's a process. That's an action you can take that would most likely lead to accomplishing your intermediate goal of improving your driving accuracy, which would help you eliminate double bogeys, which would help you reach your results goal of lowering your handicap. So the exercise for you at this stage is to break down all of your results goals or your single big results goal, maybe if you have just one into its smallest action components. What are the things you need to do in order to reach your goal or goals? So far, we've got our big goal. Then we've got those intermediate goals that are still kind of result oriented. And then we've got our actual actions. So as part of this process, remember, we need to narrow our focus. Creating those process goals, those smallest part action steps will allow us to have a very narrow focus, which will help us achieve our goals. So to keep our focus narrow, we get into step three, which is forgetting your goal. This is the one that I've seen most people fail to do. We set a goal, which is awesome. We've got a plan maybe even, but then we keep tabs on our goal all year. We have flashes of having that narrowly focused mindset on our processes, but then we expand our view to look around and see how far we are away from the finish line. Every time we play, we might ask, what do I have to shoot to lower my handicap? Or as you're playing, you might say, I need to do this, this, and this to get to my target score because you've done that math ahead of time. Or after you're done, what does this do to my handicap? What did that score? Did it bring me up or down or whatever? If you're a numbers person, this will probably be pretty natural for you to do and might even help motivate you. Knowing your score is not always a bad thing. And many times it's an unavoidable thought. In fact, I did an entire episode of The Mental Golf Show on this very subject titled Golf Thought Thursday, Should You Know Your Score While You Play? If you're interested, you can scroll down the podcast feed of The Mental Golf Show and find that episode. But if keeping tabs on your goal distracts you from keeping your head down and keeping that narrow focus on your daily, weekly plan, then you've got to find a way to let that goal go. I often say something like this to myself. That goal will accomplish itself if I put in good work. So what do I have to do right now? Having those regular reminders to stay focused on your actionable plan will help you keep your focus as narrow as possible, which again will keep your perception of the finish line closer, which keeps your motivation and drive higher for longer which cultivates an environment where you'll work at a higher quality and make it more likely that you'll reach your goal. So we've got to cultivate those things kind of from the ground up. So now we have the building blocks. It's now time to put it into action. So step four is working your plan. Now you've set a quality goal. You've drilled your goal down into an actionable plan. You've adopted the mentality of short-term work equals long-term goal achievement which keeps your focus narrow, focusing on those building blocks rather than the end goal. Now you're ready to work your plan. So this brings us to a really cool protocol that I learned uh, from actual scientific uh, literature uh, for making it much more likely that you'll do the actions that you want to do, that you will uh, build and keep good habits. So here it is. 
take each of your processes, which again, those are your action steps that will be the building blocks of reaching your goal. And you're going to write down in very specific detail, every step of you acting on that process from beginning to starting the action. Remember earlier, we had a goal train of eliminate doubles, which means improve driving accuracy, which leads to the process of practice driver for 20 minutes, every range session. That's the end point of that process, but we need to better ensure that we will actually get there. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest. So we need to initiate some motion with this protocol. So the writing exercise could look like this. And again, you could, you could think through this exercise. You don't actually have to write it down. Uh, the, the scientific research doesn't explicitly say to write it or to think, um, you could do either, but I like writing things down. So the writing exercise could look like this schedule the time to spend at the course, change into golf clothes, load golf bag into the car, drive to the golf course. Before getting out of the car, go over the plan for how I'm going to spend the 20 minute driver practice, walk to the driving range, initiate the process. So, uh, to varying levels of detail, I say, get as detailed as possible. Maybe it includes like tying your shoes or grabbing a water bottle, those kind of things. But a very important part of all of this that I haven't mentioned yet. And what makes habits so difficult is how abstract the reward you get from doing a habit is. If a habit is difficult for you, then chances are the reward for doing it isn't very clear to you before doing it. Like working out for me, take for instance, me trying to work out. I dread it because the rewards for working out are so far removed from the actual workout. So we have to bring to mind the reward we'll get for doing the action. We have to bring that reward as close to the present as possible. I'd probably write down something like, uh, for our driving exercise, I'd probably write down, uh, the satisfaction of having done something I didn't want to do. And knowing I put in quality effort towards a bigger goal, even if I don't see the results right away, acknowledging that reward for the action up front, as well as having the step-by-step -step process of doing the action makes the path extremely clear and removes a ton of the friction for doing that valuable action. So let's recap. We've got step one, setting your goal. This is your results goal or goals which needs to be finite and binary, which includes the components of being specific, realistic, and measurable. And step two, create a plan to reach that goal. Drill down to the smallest actions that will be the building blocks to reaching your bigger results goals. And step three, forget your goal. This is the reminder that your goal will happen on its own if you keep your focus narrow on your action plan. And step four, work your plan. Put in the work using our habit formation exercise, that scientifically proven protocol that we talked about. Now that's our four steps, but we've got to talk about motivation. We can't talk about goal setting and achieving without talking about motivation. This always comes up in people's minds. I get asked this a lot. How do I stay motivated? And this, this part, motivation, that's where people start something, but they don't see it through. And typically what I've noticed, what I've learned and seen, that's because most people feel like they need to feel motivated to do it. But here's the thing. Sometimes you won't feel motivated. 
and that needs to become okay to you. Feeling motivated as your metric for whether you will act is very fragile because you certainly won't always feel motivated. And when things are tough and not going so well, your feeling of motivation will probably wane. This is why your plan is so important. To accomplish your goals, certain jobs have to get done. Certain actions need to be taken. And these jobs and actions have to get done whether you feel like it or not. So if you desire to accomplish your goal, then you need to show up and work your plan, even when you don't feel like it. This process is exactly what I've done to accomplish huge golf achievements in my life. It's not rocket science, but it has some psychological nuances that could be overlooked. And this needs to be stated. Not all goals are good and not all goal setting processes work for everyone. This is simply a framework based on what I've experienced and learned that will help most people set and achieve their goals. Ultimately, you need to dial it in for yourself. All right, everyone, hope you learned a thing or two about setting and achieving your golf goals for 2024. If you like this episode, you'll probably like another episode of The Mental Golf Show titled Golf Thought Thursday, Practice Better with Less Time. It gets into a lot of these same nuances. Uh, That episode would be a good companion episode to this one. It was released back on July 20th, 2023. Go check that one out if you're interested. And as I always mention at the end of these episodes, what you've heard isn't therapy. It's meant for information and entertainment purposes only. If you feel like you need personal help on some deeper things you're going through, I encourage you to go talk to a licensed professional. If you have any questions or comments about these topics or working with me one-on-one on your golf psychology, feel free to send an email to josh at joshnicholsgolf.com. That's my email address. Or head to my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. Or you could find me on Twitter slash X and Instagram at Josh Luke Nichols. That's my full name, Josh Luke Nichols. I'd also like to point you to the mental game assessment. It's a free 15 minute questionnaire that will give you your mental strengths and areas for improvement. It's the same resource that I use with my clients. Uh, and again, thank you to the Divot board for being a partner of the mental golf show. So if you're interested in the mental game assessment or, or getting, uh, your Divot board or anything else that I've mentioned, the links will be in the show notes of this episode. All right. Thanks again for listening to The Mental Golf Show. Whether you're new here or you've been here since day one, I really appreciate the community that you have been a part of building. If you've learned something on this episode, go subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can leave us a review of up to five stars if you feel that we've earned it. Most of all, thank you for your interest in the mental game. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys next time.